0: Well, if you were to pick up Paul's letter to the Philippians and read it through as you would any letter, you couldn't help but notice the consistent uh, train of thought as he puts pen to paper. He tells them how often he prays for them. And when he does, the, the joy it brings him as he considers their faithfulness to him and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he feels so strongly about this church that he likens his love for them to the affection of Jesus Christ. He comforts them by, by telling them that although he is imprisoned, his circumstances have actually turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. To the point that those who are trusting Christ are fearlessly speaking about God and his perfect plan of redemption. And so Paul tells the the Philippian church to To take this same fearless attitude of Christ and stand firm with one spirit and one mind, shoulder to shoulder, for the faith of the gospel. For they've been called not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for his sake. As citizens of heaven, living in enemy territory. This solidarity against their opponents was dependent upon their Humility towards one another. How they lived life on the inside, in particular their fellowship, determined the faithfulness of their witness on the outside to the world around them. As Christ as their ultimate example, Paul calls the Philippian church and us as well to live a life in surrender to the will of God. A life of humble service to one another in order that His light might shine through us, declaring the hope that we have in Him. And then in our passage this morning, it it seems that Paul shifts gears again and has a a, a new train of thought as he continues forward in this letter to the Philippians. If you look at his other letters, this is something that you normally see at the close of his letter. And, And so... Many have taken this to, to suggest that maybe Paul intended to end the letter to the Philippians right here. And then he had another thought, kind of like a, and oh, by the way, now, I don't think that that's the case at all. I believe what Paul says here is very purposeful and intentional. I believe that what we will read this morning is intended to give us a living example of real people who are modeling the life who, of one who has conducted himself in a manner worthy of the gospel. In fact, it is an example that we are called to follow. When we read on, as we will in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul will make that point explicit when he says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you see in us. I believe those highlighted in our passage this morning are the ones whose pattern we are called to follow. Before we look at that together, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do ask that as we look at your word this morning and the pattern that we see in these men, that we take to heart the calling that you have given us to follow their example to walk according to the pattern that we see in them. Father, help us to complete the dual purpose of both examining their life and ours as well and and consider what we can do in service and submission to you to walk more humbly as we see in them. We pray this in your name. Amen. Turn, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. If you're not already there. We'll pick up where we left off last, so if you will read along with me, beginning in verse 19, where Paul says, "...but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, and not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, in order that you will see him again, and you may rejoice. And I will be less concerned about you. Therefore receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service To me. Since we have such a unique passage this morning, I would like to take a bit of a unique approach. I'm convinced that what Paul does here is very intentional. He talked about a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, a life of humility patterned after the example of Christ. And then he gives us living examples, real people whose Life example we are called to follow. So we're going to do a brief character study on on these three men that we see in our passage this morning. Paul himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. Let's begin with Paul. Now, we could do a whole series on the life and character of Paul. So what I want us to focus on in particular this morning is what we see demonstrated in his life represented in the letter to the Philippians. In particular, I want us to look at the example that we see in Paul of his trust in the sovereign hand of God. In fact, we see in our passage this morning as as Paul looks to the future how he expresses his desire, but yet how he holds it loosely in the context of God's sovereign hand of control. He says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus, to send Timothy to you shortly. In verse 23 he says, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord, that I myself also shall be coming shortly. The phrases that Paul uses here, hoping in the Lord and trusting in the Lord, can also be rendered if the Lord wills. Paul is telling his friends what his personal desire is, is he looks to the future, but he submits that desire ultimately to the will of God. Paul is telling his friends what he desires, but he is submitting that ultimately to the sovereign hand of God. Now, I want you to hold that thought and, and consider a, a few things with me. I want you to uh, notice the combination of both intention and and submission in Paul's example. Let me explain. Because Paul trusted in God's sovereign control of all things yet future, he could live more fully in what was before him as a present reality. We know from his letter how he invested deeply in meaningful relationships. He loved these people to whom he is writing this letter, with the affection of Jesus Christ, he says. And he remembered them often in his prayers. And these prayers were not prayers of worry, prayers to the effect of, oh God, what are they going to do if I'm not around? No, these were prayers of joy, he says, as he praised God for their faithful commitment to Him and to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He took comfort in knowing that God, who had begun a good work in them, was faithful to complete it to the very end. That Paul wasn't distracted by things that he couldn't control. Because keep in mind, his present reality is prison. You remember that, right? He had guards chained to him. He had a captive audience to whom he was able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And there were those who were trusting in the Lord... Because of this privilege. So Paul teaches us that trusting in God's hand in our, for our future allows us to more fully live in our present. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't have desires for what our future might be? Apparently not. Because Paul makes it very clear that he hoped for certain things to happen in the future. But then he submits these desires ultimately to the will of God. And in relinquishing this control of things yet to come, he could live more fully, more deeply in what was before him in the moment. I think it's interesting to note that there's no biblical evidence that Paul ever made it back to Philippi as he desired. God must have had something else in mind. And notice that Paul grew to be content with that plan as he learned to live in the moment that he had been given without being distracted by a future that he could not control. So what about you? Are you walking in the pattern that you see in Paul? I can remember when Terry and I so desperately wanted to have kids. Our friends were popping out babies like rabbits, (laughs) and we were waiting around for infertility test results to explain why we couldn't have kids. It was very easy for us to get lost in what we wanted our future to be, so much so that we lost focus on our marriage relationship in the moment that we had been given. I think about Meredith Hardy as I shared with you in the bulletin, and I hope you take time to read that. She's a single woman with with a beautiful heart, and and I don't know this for sure, but I bet there's a part of her that really desires to be married someday to a godly man, and perhaps to even have a, a family someday. But if that future desire were her consuming passion, would she be in Mexico right now? Probably not. I believe she has put her hope in the Lord, which has allowed her to fulfill the work she is doing in the moment and trusting him for her future. Just like Paul. I think as a church family, we need to keep this in mind as we see world events going around us, uh, apparently spiraling out of control. (laughs) If that becomes our focus, then we will eventually be captivated by fear And we run the risk of missing out on the opportunities that these events can create when people begin to ask us, what in the world is going on? Is there any hope? What does the future look like? Only those who live in the present reality of God's provision can answer that with any kind of a satisfying answer we should strive to follow Paul's example of trusting in God's hand for our future in order that we can live more fully in the moment. Every person here, every person here can, can relate this to something going on in their life. The question is, are you willing to hope in the Lord? Trusting His control For your future so that you can live more fully or more joyfully, as Paul might say, in the moment. Be sincere. Express your desires to the Lord, but then release them into his hand of sovereign control. Remember, worry is a thief. Don't forget that. Worry is a thief that robs us of our joy. But the scripture tells us, as we will see as we continue on, be anxious in nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Rest in his sovereign hand of control. That's the pattern we see in Paul. Well, let's look at the next example, Timothy. We know from how Paul began this letter that right now, Timothy is currently in Rome with Paul. In fact, Timothy has become Paul's companion since his second missionary journey and has become, as a result of that, one of his most trusted partners in ministry. Even the Philippian church, as Paul writes, knew of his proven worth. As Paul indicates in in verse 22, where he recognizes Paul... Timothy's faithful service, what does he say? As a child serves his father. That was the predominant characteristic of Timothy, a heart of a faithful servant. And I want you to to notice that some of the same qualities that we saw in Paul, we, we will see again in Timothy. In verse 20, Paul, in fact, says that Timothy is the only one of kindred spirit who will care for them with a genuine compassion and concern for their welfare. Now, when I read that, I began to ask, were there not other brothers and sisters in Christ around Paul at the time? Well, we know that there were, because he's already told us that there were many who were trusting in the Lord because of his imprisonment. We also know that he went on to say that there were some who preached Christ, some out of envy and strife, others out of goodwill. And so there were those around him who were faithful to proclaim the good news and, and faithful to Paul. But apparently, as Paul looked at the landscape of those around him, Timothy is the only one he had the confidence to send to the Philippian church. Why is that? I think verse 21 may give us the answer when it says, Everyone else looked after their own interests and not the interests of Christ Jesus. In other words, they were willing to serve God. But it had to be on their terms (laughs) and in a place of personal comfort. But not Timothy. He he routinely sacrificed his own needs in order to to serve the needs of others. He, He was willing to serve God and he was willing to do it according to God's purpose and plan, not his own. And look at the result. Verse 20 says, He will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Here's what we see in this example. Timothy teaches us how a heart of humble service creates space in our life so that we can genuinely care for the needs of others. You see, all too often we don't reach out to others in need because we simply don't have room in our life to do so. We've got baseball practice and dance recitals. We've got work meetings, school meetings, ministry prep, and the the list goes on and on and on. We're a society of overcommitment, and Christians are no exception. In fact, we may be some of the worst offenders. Someone once said and observed that most middle class Christians in our culture tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. They go on to say, as a result, our societal values are distorted. Our relationships disintegrate faster than we can keep them in repair. And our lifestyles resemble a cast of characters in search for a plot. My personal opinion is that's why social networking is such the rage in our society today. It is, in fact, the most efficient way to maintain connection with people in the midst of the busyness of our lives. Let's be honest, it's a whole lot easier to to stay in touch with others through Facebook than it is to take the time to actually invite them over to your house to serve a meal and to sit down and talk about what's going on in our lives together. Most of us would rather get on our computer when it's convenient to us, of course, check on everybody else's status, add a little bit of our own, and, and then move on to the next thing. And when our life becomes this crowded, to the point that we have no margin, there is no room to care for the needs of others as more important than your own. We end up apparently like those around Paul in Rome who were seeking after their own interests, leaving them no space to genuinely care for others. Timothy's example teaches us the importance of creating space in our life by giving God permission to interrupt our schedule. And I'll be the first to admit, I'm the worst at this. I can get so focused on what I'm doing in the moment, I lose all peripheral vision of things going on around me. If I'm in the middle of something, it's like pulling teeth for me to stop what I'm doing and redirect my attention to something else. In fact, just this week, as I was preparing for this sermon, Linda walks into my office and says, there's an individual out here who would like for you to pray for him. Can I be honest with you for a second and tell you what my first thought was? Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm preparing a sermon here. I, I don't have time to stop that and, and pray with somebody that I don't even know that just happened to walk in off the street. I, I've got a sermon to prepare. not very spiritual, is it? But that's what happens when we don't give God permission to interrupt our schedule. We miss out on the good works that he's prepared beforehand because they're not on our to-do list. Well, I will tell you that the Lord did get my attention that day. And I did pray with this gentleman. And I was reminded in the conversation that we had for a good while how difficult it is for people to in our community many times, to just make it day by day. I bet there are people in this room who've had more than one occasion when it takes everything you've got just to make it through the day. Am I right? Maybe it's the pressure of a job or marriage or family or illness of you or someone you love. I know I've been there. And I can tell you firsthand what it meant to to have someone who had space in their life to recognize my need and then to enter into my life to help carry that burden. I bet every one of you can think of an example when someone stood next to you in a difficult time. At least I hope you can. But here's the question. Do you have space in your life to do the same for someone else? Have you given God permission to interrupt your schedule so that you can care for the needs of others as more important than your own? Timothy gives us an example of what that looks like as he prepares for the 800-mile journey from Rome to Philippi. But before he takes that trip, Paul tells us in this section that he sends Epaphroditus We learn from verse 26 that Epaphroditus longed for his church family in Philippi. Apparently, they had heard the news that he was sick. It's very possible, although we don't know this for certain, but it is very possible that Epaphroditus fell sick on his way to Rome. That would be a logical conclusion. And as I mentioned just a while ago, it was an 800-mile journey, (laughs) from Philippi to Rome, mostly on foot, maybe camel, but at least a week's journey just to get across the Adriatic Sea. And and so in terms of travel during this time, this would have been a trip that would have taken several months at best. There's nothing easy about this trip. And so Epaphroditus could have very well fallen ill along the way. And maybe one of his traveling companions went back to Philippi to report the news that he may not make it. This doesn't look good. What we know for certain is that news had spread about their beloved brother whom they had entrusted on behalf of the church to care for Paul that he had grown gravely ill. The church was deeply concerned. And Epaphroditus was concerned. (laughs) Because they were concerned. That already tells you something about his character, doesn't it? He came close to death. Possibly on his way to Rome to begin with. And yet he was so concerned about his church family back in Philippi. He was ready to turn around and go 800 miles back just so they knew he was okay. After all, he he had accomplished what they had sent him there for. See, Paul was under house arrest, and according to Roman law, he had to secure his own housing and rent for that housing, along with food and clothing while he was there. But he could not leave his house. (laughs) Knowing this, the Philippian church, a very poor church to begin with, collected the necessary money in order to, to give Paul what was needed to care for his basic needs while he was there. Since he had... No other means, obviously, to go out and do that himself. Epaphroditus made this trip on behalf of the church as the messenger and minister to Paul's need. Paul identifies him in verse 25 as a brother, a fellow soldier, a fellow worker. He tells the Philippian church in verse 29, Hold men like this in high regard. For he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to do either what others would not do or could not do themselves. So here's the pattern that we see in Epaphroditus. He was a faithful brother who was willing to set aside his own comfort to complete either what others could not do or were unwilling to do themselves. This again reminds me of what I wrote about Meredith in the bulletin. How many times do we look for that sweet spot where we can serve God perfectly in accordance with our passions and desires. It's what I call following God in our comfort zone. All the stars align. We wake up each morning and say, what a great day to serve God in the center of His will. But let me ask you a question. Are you willing to serve outside your sweet spot if that happens to be the center of God's will? What if it's not in your comfort zone? Will you choose obedience or comfort? I'm sure there are many in this room who have made that choice to be faithful over being comfortable. In fact, I think last weekend was a perfect example, wasn't it? men and women from this church family who left stable jobs in order to pursue a life of ministry. They didn't do it because it was a good career move or a good financial opportunity that they just couldn't pass up. They did it because they were obedient to what God had put on their heart. They followed God where he was leading many times at the expense of career and comfort. They did what others were unwilling or unable to do themselves in obedience to Christ. And, and listen to me, every one of us, every single day, make the exact same choice. You and I, we make that choice every day to carry out life on our terms or to walk according to his purposes on his terms. Setting our own agenda aside in order to faithfully work for His good pleasure. As we looked at three three men, do you, do you see how their lives overlap with each other? They all, like Paul, had to, to trust God with their future so that they could live more joyfully in their present. This is the simplicity that gave Timothy the ability and in the space to care for the needs of others is more important than his own. It was, allowed, it was allowed Epaphroditus to set aside his own comfort to do things that others were unwilling to do or unable to do themselves. In fact, I would say that each of these men demonstrated all that the, the characteristics that we identified. Would, would you agree with that? I think we see all of them in each of these three men. It is the example call, Paul calls us to follow. The pattern that we are called to walk. So let me ask you to do something this week. Line them up. Take the patterns that we've looked at this morning and put your life on top of them. Celebrate those places where they connect and praise God for that work He's done in your life to see that character revealed. And be diligent in those places where they're distant, where they need to come closer to the pattern that we see in these men. Let me warn you, do not set these men on a pedestal and excuse yourself by saying, I could never be like them. Here's why. Paul tells us very clearly, join in following our example. And know that they did not arrive in this place because of their accomplishments. You know how they got there? Their submission their submission, surrendering to the will of God. What you see is because of whose they are, not who they are. Whose they are, not who they are. And the one who is graciously at work in their life is also at work in yours. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. You have been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the praise of His glory. Walk in that truth. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful that you didn't leave us to guess on what you are calling us to live, but in fact you've made it very clear, even to the point of giving living examples and telling us explicitly Live like this. Follow this pattern. Father, I pray for each person here this morning, for myself included, that we will take the example of these three men and we will overlay our life on that pattern and see how we're doing. That we will celebrate those areas where they coincide and we see your good work in us shaping our character, transforming us to your glory. In, that, in those areas where we are distant, where maybe we have too much control over our schedule or maybe the busyness is overwhelming us where we have no space, that you will prick our heart and help us see what we need to do to draw closer to you so that we can be closer to the pattern of these men. Father, I ask that we would be diligent to walk in a manner worthy of our calling to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, to live as lights in the world around us, trusting in your sovereign hand of our future so that we can live more joyfully in our present. We love you, Jesus. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Have a great day.